Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2008. This is Nancy talking about Step 12. Hello everybody, my name is Nancy Morris and I'm an alcoholic. Hello. I... (laughs) I um, have had such a wonderful weekend, and I too, I know Chris probably doesn't want us to do this, and Chris had help, she'll say, but I don't, I don't think she had that much, but um, she, she organized it, and so I just want to thank you, Chris, for what a wonderful weekend that you put together. I've enjoyed every single minute of it, and thank you so much. Oh, the fellowship, the speakers, the food, the just everything was so wonderful. And I said this before, Chris and I met for the first time on Friday, and we just chatted and chatted and interrupted each other and blah, 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 blah. How You know, isn't that wonderful? But um, and I, too, normally I don't... Um, try to prepare anything, but I don't, I have a very hard time sticking to a subject. Um, when I have to speak, I just come up and I speak and I turn it over, but I did, you know, read this too. You know, I had to read it again and make sure I had it all right, and um, I made a couple notes just to jog my memory while I'm up here. I actually love step 12. It's probably my favorite step. I think it's a, it's a Um, Well, you know, too, I had so many 12-step calls this weekend. I visited with so many people, and I think it's absolutely amazing to visit with men and women, young people, older people, people newer in sobriety. I, my heart fills up talking to everybody. So thank you for all of your um, sharing with me this weekend. I'm filled and I needed this too. So step 12 is, is a very favorite step of mine and I don't think I set out Um, you know, in the beginning that I would be, um, you know, working with others uh, on the way, in the way that I do by sponsoring as much as I have ended up doing. But I don't think it was my doing. I think it was God's doing um, to help me to keep my mind off of myself. And God keeps thinking I need more and more ways to keep my mind off of myself. So I have the privilege of working with so many other um, um, people in Alcoholics Anonymous. But two, um, you know, first of all, I was looking at step 12, and it's kind of in three parts, having had the spiritual awakening, and then we try to carry the message, and then we practice these principles in all of our affairs. And I just want to also read something from here um, about a spiritual experience, because I think that was a question that, um, that I had, you know, I'd be sitting out there and people would talk about a spiritual experience, and I was never clear. I didn't know if I really understood what that meant. So I just went into the 12 and 12, and I just underlined a few lines of of what it, you know, the highlights of a spiritual experience, because as we know, it can mean many different things to many different people, and it shows up in many different ways. But what what step 12 says, when a man or a woman has a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of it is that he has now become able to do feel and believe that which he could not do before on his unaided strength and resources alone. 
And then um, another sentence says he finds himself in possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, and love of which he had thought himself quite incapable. So for me, those were pretty good descriptions of um, spiritual awakenings and being open to spirituality um, in my life. And also, I was reading in here and I saw a sentence in the 12 and 12 about this step and it said something about the wonderful energy that it releases. And don't you feel that? And didn't you feel that this weekend? Just the, the energy of all of us being together and sharing our experience, strength, and hope with each other this weekend. Um, so we have a spiritual awakening. I also want to say one thing that, um, you know, it, it may be interpreted um, that we're not supposed to do step 12 until we feel that we've done all of the other steps. But um, for me, I started trying to work with other people um, right away. It was suggested that I work with other people. Now, it doesn't have to be in the capacity that I sponsor somebody. It's maybe just talking to a newcomer in the room. And I remember when I was kind of new, and um, I had um, a woman um, as my sponsor at that time who, who saw uh, a beautiful young woman walk in the room and um, she said, I want you to go talk to her. Go say hello to her. And, and I said, no, she doesn't want to talk to me because I always know what you're thinking, you know. <laughs> And mostly that's based on how you look and how you're dressed and how much money you have or you don't have. I can determine what you're thinking. And um, this woman was beautiful, and I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't feel like I knew how to dress. I didn't feel like I knew how to act. And she just looked stunning. And I said, I don't think that lady wants to talk to me. Well, this sponsor took, got behind me and literally pushed me, where I had to just run right into that woman. and. And, and, you know, hello, my name is Nancy. What's your name? I was scared to death. I didn't really think I had anything she wanted to talk about. I didn't know that I had anything to offer, but I did have something to offer. I had, you know, a little bit of sobriety to offer her. And um, there is um, a little line in, the, in step 12, in the 12 and 12, that says, even the newest of newcomers finds undreamed rewards as he tries to help his fellow alcoholic. It really says brother, but I changed it to fellow, so you wouldn't be offended. Um, to help his fellow alcoholic, the one who is even blinder than he. You know, recently I tried working with a woman, a new woman, and um, I have, you know, 37 years of sobriety, and she was brand new, and she ended up, she told somebody that she didn't think I really understood how she felt, because I had so much time, and um, the reason she said that, actually, was because every time I went to take her somewhere, and I was driving her to court, and um, to get things straightened out in her life, um, I'd smell alcohol on her breath, and so I would say... Um, you know, we just left court, and we met. We, you were in front of the judge, and um, we were eating lunch. I said, I smell alcohol. And she said, well, I, I, was, I had a drink, you know, up until 2 o'clock this morning I was drinking. So, you know, once I, I said, well, you're really not supposed to drink, you know, especially when you're going to court for your drunk driving. You really shouldn't drink. But um, so actually that happened several times. And finally, you know, it also it says about um, something about not, you know, it, 
I can't be wasting my time and energy on somebody who I don't really feel wants it. And I and we work together quite a bit and I really I spent a lot of time with her, but every time I smelled alcohol in her breath and I said, um, you know, I just don't think this is going to work and so that's why she said that I she told somebody I didn't understand because I guess I was supposed to just tell her it was okay just I don't know what I was what she wanted me to say but God bless her that's what I say I can back off from people and ask God to take over and take charge you know I want to just mention too when I was brand new you know I attended my very first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and I was drunk and um, I had never been before and I went into the meeting, and as I mentioned the other night, I did throw up on some people. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I ended up, I mean, that was my introduction to these people. And then I, I went home, and my husband, I guess, had secretly told them where we lived, but I didn't know that he did that. And um, the next day, I was just sitting in my living room staring at the wall. And um, the, these two ladies from the night before, actually, they, they, because they were a lot older than I was at the time, they stopped and got a third lady who was a little bit younger. And these three ladies came over to my house. And they sat in my living room, and they shared their experience, strength, and hope with me. They told me their stories. I felt closer to them, honestly, than I had felt to anybody in my life. I felt this instant connection with them. And the point really is, what if those two ladies had not taken the time to come over to my house? And I imagine that they probably had other plans for the next day. They hadn't planned to meet this girl at the meeting the night before me, and they may have had plans. Um, they took, you know, the time and the energy, and they connected with each other, and they worked it out and got this other lady, and they took time out of their life, and they drove over to my house. They didn't know how I would be or how receptive or anything, and they came over to my house, and they sat in my living room for hours, and they talked to me. And what if they hadn't done that? What would I be doing that day? Would I just still be sitting there? I, I, I absolutely don't know what I would have been doing if they hadn't taken the time and, and done something that was probably a little bit inconvenient to them to come over and visit with me. And then they came that night and they picked me up because they went home and then they came back and they picked me up and they took me to an AA meeting. I'm positive that they went out of their way to do all of that. And I am forever grateful. They saved my life by doing that. And in turn, I have to and I want to because, I've been, because I'm greatly rewarded by going out and working with other people. But I have to do that and I have to continue to do that. And it says also, in here about we have to do these good deeds and do things like that um, not just once but we have to do them probably on a daily basis because I have said myself before I've done this stuff and um, and I still don't feel good and people would just say well go do it again you know do it some more <laughs> and um, you know um, Carrying the message to another alcoholic, too, is not just, you know, sponsoring somebody, but I believe it's showing up at meetings. I attend a meeting in my, you know, back home that's, um, 
I mean, I attend several different meetings, but this one in particular, it's all women, it's problem solution. I've been attending a meeting of this exact type for 37 years. So we raise our hand if we have a problem that we say could lead to drinking if not solved, which can be just about anything because we're so darn sensitive. And um, so we raise our hand and we say what the problem is, and then three people in the room who have solved that problem in their present sobriety raise their hand and they offer some solutions and suggestions. The point is that, you know, I've been going to a meeting of that type for 37 years. So I've heard and experienced just about every problem that can be imagined. I haven't heard any new problems in probably 36 years. And, um, <laughs> or new solutions in 36 years. So, you know, there are times when I'm at home, it's Tuesday, it's time to go to the meeting. My, that little part of my mind that's always, you know, active and waiting to yap at me will say, it's probably going to be boring at the meeting. <laughs> but, you know, that's not the reason that I go there. And I, I mean, I've heard a lot of speakers, too, but I still attend my speaker meeting. I still attend my, attend my step study meeting. And that's, I mean, I still learn a lot, believe me. It's like I said this weekend, I have so enjoyed visiting with people who have two and three and four and five and six months of sobriety because your enthusiasm just is, I'm, I'm soaking it up. And, um, but I just go to those meetings because um, I'm trying to give back. I'm trying to be there. I try to be of service. I try to help. 12-step call is also setting up a meeting. It's making coffee. It's having a commitment at a meeting. It's giving somebody a ride. It's just maybe walking by and giving somebody a pat on the back or a smile. You know, when I was brand new, I remember, you know, I, I loved AA, and I couldn't wait to go to the meeting, but I was still scared, and I didn't know everything. Everybody. You know, I, this group that I got into, I thought, I had this feeling I would be driving home at night after the meeting, and I would, the loneliness would suddenly take over, and I'd be driving home, and I'd be thinking that all of those people in that meeting lived together in a great big house. <laughs> and they're probably, you know, getting in their pajamas now, and having a pillow fight, and having their hot chocolate, you know, and I'm just driving home all by myself. And, um, but, you know, I remember one time, you know, I'd go to that meeting and I'd be excited and I'd try to, you know, get to know people a little bit. But we're, you know, um, I, I remember this lady one time just said to me, why don't you sit down for a minute? Hi. She said, mine said her name and she said, why don't you sit down here and tell me a little bit about yourself? That made me feel wonderful. Um, I just, it was just that somebody took an interest in me. I consider that a 12-step call. In our group, too, we have what we call the 12 daily actions we give out to newcomers, and they're really practical things to do, like making your bed and brushing your teeth and wearing clean clothes and having a little breakfast and things like that. But um, two of the daily actions are um, calling two other alcoholics during the day. That we love getting those phone calls. And when I'm looking at the list of who to call, you know, I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about their life and what they're doing. And, you know, and so um, it's this 12 step for me has, is just a means of me not thinking about myself. I want to, that reminds me, I want to read just a, a line out of Bill's story. And, um, 
it, and Bill said, um, I was not too well at the time and was plagued by ways of, waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink. But I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair. On talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. And I kind of take that to mean that, you know, Bill did all the work he could and the step work and writing, and because I do a lot of writing, you know, just when something's bothering me, I'll write it and, and um, you know, write about it just to get it out of myself. And this just take to me, I interpret this, that he did all these things and he was still not feeling great and he went and worked with another alcoholic. And, um, and, and you know, that, that, um, that worked for him, that got him through that moment. Um, our, ex, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. So, um, you know, I, I have had, um, you know, different kinds of 12-step calls over the years and, I, um, and I've been able to, um, you know, 12-step family members. I have one woman in particular that um, I, I had in my life for about um, probably 33 years. And I was getting ready to go to a meeting one night. I was a single mom of three little kids. I was always out of time and money and running around like a crazy woman, but I always went to my meetings. And it was a Saturday night, and I was rushing to get ready and get a babysitter and get to the meeting, and the phone rang, and it was this uh, central office, and they said, we have a, this new lady. And I had had kind of a string of them that I, you know, tried to work with them, and it didn't stick, which is okay. I'm still sober. But I thought, well, it's just another one of those. <laughs> but I called her. And I said, hello, my name is Nancy. I'm an alcoholic. I'm on my way to an AA meeting. If you want me to pick you up, I will. If you don't, I won't. <laughs> so she stayed sober until she died last year. So I did go pick her up. She said yes. And so I was talking to somebody else tonight. It was kind of funny because she did not even remember that meeting the next day. So um, and I, actually the next week I was taking her back to the same meeting and she said, why are we going to this hospital? I said, this is where the meeting is that we went to last week. But you know, I, that woman was in my life. I just, I had, I have so much love in my heart for her. And um, just, um, I think the end of last year, she, I got the message that she was dying of liver cancer. She had been in a nursing home for quite some time, and she was a lot older than I was. But I had the opportunity to go to California, is where she was, and I, got, and I went to the nursing home, and she was just about two days from dying. And she hadn't really talked or moved. And um, I leaned down, and I, and I was touching her, and I looked right in her eyes, and I said, Johanna, it's Nancy. Hi, how are you? And I said, you remember when you lived on Pearl Street and I picked you up? And, you know, we spent many years and a lot of time together, but I just kept talking to her and her eyes opened and they were just darting around like I could see in her mind that she knew my voice and she, her memories, you know, she was having some memories and she was just looking around and then she, she, her, she said, she, she just stared at me and she said, thank you. I love you. And um, 
oh, that just warmed my heart. I haven't gotten any greater gifts in my life ever. Nothing that I can think of greater than that kind of gift that I get somebody that, um, that comes into Alcoholics Anonymous and I get to watch them light up like that and that I can feel that love in my heart that I felt for that woman and many other people. I have the most wonderful bunch of people in my life. We live our, we do our meetings together, we do our lives together, we just share so much. And um, just one other quick thing, I don't, um, you know, I don't hide that I'm an alcoholic. I'm not shy about it anymore. Maybe I was in the beginning, maybe it was different, but, you know, it was like, you know, coming here and they wanted to talk to me in immigration and where are you going? I'm going to an Alcoholics Anonymous conference and people at work, you know, oh, you're going to Australia, why? And I told them, I'm not shy. And um, my kids were in school and um, they were, uh, they were writing essays one time. I have, you know, these three boys, and one of them wrote an essay, and he said, um, he said it was about going to Clancy's backyard on Saturday. <laughs> and every Saturday, my kids and myself went to Clancy's backyard. You know, a lot of you know him, and he's been my sponsor for a long time, and it was all alcoholics gathering in the backyard, and we play sports together, and we eat lunch together. So one time the teacher said to who, whichever one of my boys wrote it, um, now who's this Clancy? Is that one of your uncles? Because I have five brothers. He said, no, Clancy's an alcoholic like my mother is. <laughs> and um, and um, so I, I got called in. And she, she stood there and told me the story, and I, I said, um, yes, that's true. And, you know, and then she said, oh, my father's an alcoholic. I wonder if you could give me some information about that. Isn't that something? So I feel absolutely blessed to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of your hard work, for um, all of you who I met this weekend. You're going to be a part of me when I go back, and I wish you all the very, very best. Thank you, and God bless you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.